Welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. This is episode 2021.6. My name's Phil Hawthorne. Joining me as usual, I've got Mr. Rohan Karamandi. Good morning. Good morning. How's it going? Ah, oh, we're back in lockdown with you, mate. Oh, man. Generally, I, I don't know, throughout the last year or so, we've, I've been in lockdown and then you sort of went into sort of a lockdown and but I think now we're both uh, pretty much lockdown at the same time so yeah ours has kind of been just straight up lockdown not even a sort of lockdown <laughs> so there, there is a light at the end of the tunnel it sounds like who, who knows oh, we'll okay. see good, good. Well, well this is just gonna be a 2020 thing right but it's that's uh, right we're almost halfway through the year and it's still here this episode is sponsored by home assistant cloud by nabucasa easily access your local home assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the home assistant and esp home projects configuration is done by the user interface so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certs, or any other YAML. All right, 2021.6 is here. And Rohan, it's not really a major release, at least nothing that they're giving away uh, for us during the beta. But I guess uh, the way it's being described in the release notes, it's uh, a little bit of everything. Uh, and that's the way they're describing this release. So I guess straight off, uh, some new features, something that Paulus has been teasing on Twitter uh, throughout the beta is that the Hue integration now supports push updates. So mm-hmm. if you're using the Philips Hue integration and have a Philips Hue hub connected to Home Assistant, they will now receive uh, instant status updates about lights from the Philips Hue hub. So if you go have one of the Philips Hue switches, like a smart dimmer switch or a tap, and you turn a light on or off using one of those, the state change of those lights will now be instantly reflected in Home Assistant because the Philips Hue Hub will now push a update into Home Assistant. So I think that's uh, really cool to see that uh, this integration, which I think is one of the most popular third-party integrations just behind Apple HomeKit uh, in terms of people using it in Home Assistant. So it's good to see that you know such a popular integration with Home Assistant is getting this sort of new feature. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. It's and it's one of those that, you know, I don't want to say it hasn't been touched in a while. It has, but it's it's one of those things where it's, you know, it's one of those solid integrations, right, where yeah, yeah. it doesn't really need any more care or feeding. But, you know, it's been, uh, it's gotten a little bit of love, which is amazing to see. And, and, and again, even though I don't use Hue myself, I know a ton of people that do. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm sure a lot of people will be happy about this. So that's great. Um, what I really like is the possibilities that you can do with this integration mm-hmm. um or with this sorry with this feature i should say yep. so uh for example i just mentioned before that the philips you tap button so if you uh, you could now do an automation based on a philips Hue light changing state so if you want to use one of those buttons to turn on a lamp somewhere and then that, that triggers something else immediately in home assistant that is now possible there's no before it, it was possible but there'll be like a general lag time that you would have to deal with but now mm-hmm. minimal lag it would be instant so yeah. really cool that's amazing um on really cool um services has a better ui now uh, or ux sorry um so if you use the services tab in the developer tools it, or in the developer tools part of home assistant you'll notice a much better ui experience so basically it's just been an up uh like a refresh of it if you want to call it um yep. and yeah which is which is amazing to see play with it let us know what you think. I actually really like the new entity pickers. Um, you can pick areas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so cool. Like I, I guess people that have probably been using this for quite some time with the automation builder. I personally use all the 
my automation's done YAML, so I don't use the UI. So it's cool to see, you know, some of these features uh, moving around into Home Assistant and yeah, the Entity Picker and, and the whole UI for services is brilliant. I've yeah. actually spent um, a lot of time looking at my scripts because now you can define uh, a UI for scripts as well. So if you've got a custom script that you make that you reuse everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, you can actually now define uh, what variables are available in your script, and then they can actually be then uh, passed into the UI. So as you do a service call to one of your own custom scripts, you can have um, the UI built out. So that's really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Um, especially if you want to share those scripts around or make blueprints out of them. Yep. Yeah, that's what it's there for. Now, Ram, we just touched on the Philips Hue integration, and you said, you know, something that's used a lot that hasn't got a lot of love. I would have to say that the, this next one is what I'm most excited about. which is the Sonos integration has got a bit of love, this one. I'm a big fan of my Sonos integration. Uh, I love my Sonos speakers here at home. And there is now the ability for Home Assistant to disable the hardware buttons on speakers and to also disable the Sonos status lights. I didn't even know these were features in the Sonos app. I certainly haven't seen them, but yeah. yeah. Uh, So essentially it does what it uh, says on the can, basically... Uh, if you disable the buttons in Home Assistant, then someone goes up and presses any buttons on your speaker, uh, they won't work. So great for parties, uh, great if you want to have like a child lock on the speakers so kids can't, you know, turn on, turn off music. Um, And the status lights, I know I've actually integrated it just a couple of hours ago. Uh, I have two Sonal speakers in my nursery and the status lights, you know, basically make the whole half the room light up. Um, They can be that Mm -hmm. bright. And now just turn on an automation, you know, once the lights go off, they go off too. And yeah, it's brilliant. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Especially if you have, again, um, like a baby sleeping mm-hmm. in the room as an example, right. Or, yeah. or even if, if anybody else is there, it's one of those things that just hurts your eyes. Can you, can you dim the lights or is it just on or off? No, nah, it's just on or off. Okay. Which uh, that's fine. And, and a lot of times it's, it's also for, I know, I know in wireless access points, typically this is a thing for aesthetics. <sighs> Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and like my Asus router has an option to turn the status lights on or off. Yeah. But um, I have to see if it, I can expose that as like a curl command that I can turn that on and off because that would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. I know. And depending on what you're doing for for some of the stuff that I work on, um, there's just a tag. So in, in the Meraki products, there's just a tag that you can add to the access point. Oh, nice. And and you can you can add tags by API too, right? So you can add and remove those tags and. Uh, I think it's called run dark or something like that. And uh, you can add the tag and the lights go off and then lights go on, whatever. So I have one of my APs just, it looks bad. Um, I think it looks bad with the lights on where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the other ones don't matter as much, but, and because I do like them for troubleshooting and whatever, but um, yep. yeah, so I have that going. So, which is, you know, one of the most frustrating things, especially when you're watching. <laughs> it's right by my TV and the lights were bright enough that uh, okay. um, it was, at least for me, it was distracting because I was like, "Ooh, what's going on there?" So I just, I just turned off the lights. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, I I do like watching the lights flicker. I have mine right under the TV. Um, yeah. But our living room is also the guest room, so if there's you know you have any anyone a guest staying on the couch, then you know those lights are going to be flickering on throughout the night. Yeah. So yeah, I'll yeah, just yeah. have to see if I can turn those <laughs> off. But yep, I'm guessing. Um, what I'm going to do now with these uh, Sonos status lights is as soon as my alarm control panel uh, goes into armed night, I will you know, go around and turn all the lights off on all the Sonos speakers. Yeah. Make the house a little bit darker. So that's cool. That's nice. And I can also, actually, I'm 
Sorry, I'm wrong. I'm just thinking of no, features no, no. that I, I like it. Um, if motion's detected in a room, uh, turn the sonar status lights back on and use them as a little mini nightlight. Because they actually do, depending on which model of sonar you've got, the little status light can be bright enough to just give enough light, light up to the room. look around. Yeah. That's, uh, I almost don't like that. It's almost too bright for a status light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it, it's, 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 so, yeah, it really depends on the model. Like, so a Sonos One speaker, as right. opposed to a Play One, a Sonos One that has the um, voice assistant in, has the microphone status light and also, um, I think, the Sonos light. So you've got, you know, like your mute button to say that the microphone's active. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's why they can be so bright. And they're a nice, they're the LED cool white, right? So, mm-hmm. like, they don't, they're a very tiny light on the speaker, but they give off enough light in the darkness. Yeah, yeah. Especially against a wall. That's not uh, bad. Yeah, and also just to wrap up all the new Sonos features, um, it's good to see that Sonos got some so much love in this release. Um, alarms that are in Sonos can now be updated and controlled yeah. via switches. I know when I updated, I had a whole bunch of new Amazon Echo entities come through. I'm um, saying you know your Sonos bedroom alarm switch is now activated. So cool to see that you can you know configure and and turn on and off alarms all from Home Assistant automations now. Right, right, right. That's pretty cool. All right. And the recorder integration. So if you want to move away from SQLite uh, in recorder, there's now a new Oracle DB integration uh, for the recorder component. So the same way how you can choose to run MySQL um, or Postgres or whatever, um, Oracle is now another option. I don't know who's running Oracle DB at home um, or even better, why? (laughs) But if you are, Good on you. Um, and it's a Docker container for it or something. I, I must have been, I haven't looked into it. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I've, I've always found Oracle DB, at least for, for home use, to be mm. way, way excessive, right? Like it's, yeah, I do recommend anyone, you know, if you are using Home Assistant and you've got many an entity and you want to speed up your database, you know, do move away from SQLite and at least try and get a, a MySQL instance running somewhere. It just makes restart times, uh, yeah. I found, and I've probably been improved since I've used it, but. Yeah, it was just a lot easier to have it in an external database as opposed to a flat file. Well, not a flat file, but a hard file database. Yeah, and it's it's night and day. I I did the same, right? I I spin up a MySQL, um, just a do- another Docker container, and yep. just point everything there. Only thing I find is if that container dies, then uh, and if I reboot yeah. uh, <laughs> Home Assistant, that then it gets super 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 slow. Yep. And you've got like uh, all these alerts, like all like this component failed to load, this component failed to load, that right? Yeah, all tied in. yeah, yeah. Because because not 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 even it's not for me. It's not even as much as you know some of the com- other components failed. It's like hey, recorder failed and is waiting. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, right. Which is which is a big enough component that you do want it working, right? And obviously, you'll notice your graphs and stuff are all uh, off or f- flat lines or something yep. like that. So. You know, it, it does it does make a difference, um, but I try and keep everything in sync and try and do a Docker pull at the same time for everything. And then because um, I'm, again, using the compose file, so I'll, I'll yeah. just pull the whole compose file down and up the whole compose file, too. And and uh, usually it's pretty good. I have I have had a couple of instances where SQL just decided it didn't want to come back <laughs> up or something of that sort or. There was some error on it, and it was looping and rebooting oh, and worst, whatever. Right? Yeah, so just to this uh, this evening, I decided to. Well, for one, I've got these um, cheap Chinese blind controllers. They're like an AM forty three. Okay. Um, very popular. Um, I actually had it to replace a broken Soma um, blind controller, and 
I've got something, yep. there's a, uh, a project out there that does, you know, basically a Bluetooth to home-resistant MQTT bridge. It's been working mm-hmm. great. Uh, for whatever reason, I've, since I upgraded to this version of home-resistant, it's stopped working. So I thought, that's all right. I can see that the thing's working. There must be just a breaking change. I know that there is a breaking change in this release regarding, like, cover positioning and all that. Maybe the library needs to be updated. I'll go out and update it. It's not as easy, right? Like, all of a sudden, you know, you upgrade one thing and now I'm trying to work out node version messes and pretty much the upshot of it is my blinds don't open right now in the yeah. office. <laughs> <laughs> that's, so, that's, yeah. Yeah, it's the lo- longest thing to figure out to go, oh, I press the button and the blinds don't open. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <sighs> that yeah. is the home automation life, right? Yeah, that's it, that's it. All right. Uh, new integrations for this release are System Bridge, which I actually have never heard of, but System Bridge is an open source application that allows you to have an API for your system. Um, so it's compatible with Windows, Mac, and Linux host machines. So essentially you install System Bridge onto your computer and it will then expose an API that Home Assistant can then hit. So you can, and there's actually a lot that you can see. You can see um, what the, you can see what operating system stats there are. So you can have in Home Assistant, you know, uh, an alert if your uh, software version goes out of date, I'm guessing. Uh, you can mm-hmm. do things like, is audio playing? What's the audio hardware inside a computer? What's the, yeah, there is so much here. You can even uh, do text-to-speech notifications. You can tell through this API um, for Home Assistant to play a, an MP3 file on your computer, you can run, yeah, click keyboards, like very cool, yeah. Um, and it's as I said, open source. Windows, Mac, and Linux host machines are supported, and now Home Assistant has an integration with it as well. I think uh, Anthony would have in our last episode would have found this pretty useful too to mm-hmm. get some of his automations back that he had with his computers. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool. I mean, it's I feel I feel like that's one of those things you have to be a little careful because it also mm-hmm. is. Sounds like a giant security flaw that that's that's in your system. The good thing is it does generate an API key, but once again, right, that API key gets out, then yeah, 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 exactly. So that's uh, again good and bad. I think right. Um, again, it's for convenience as well. So I think that's enough stuff here that mm. that will be good. But uh, yeah, and other than that, um, Kraken. So if you use a Kraken crypto exchange, um, so the cryptocurrency exchange. Um, there's now a home system integration that can utilize that to find exchange rates on Kraken. So it must be a cryptocurrency bull market. I don't think we've had a cryptocurrency integration <laughs> since yeah. where I think when this podcast first started, I th- yeah, there was so it was many. Every release, it was another cryptocurrency tracker, yeah. right? So yeah. there must be another bull market. That's awesome. <laughs> that, that that's that's how we gauge the economy. So yeah. it's, uh, okay, it must be time I've, for us to go and buy some Bitcoin, right? Every- that's right. I'm and and this has clearly not worked out in my favor. At least <laughs> <laughs> I can't speak for you ever. So you know, uh, as much as this isn't financial advice, it's also probably just a bad idea to listen to us. For that well, stuff. I think we should wait and see how many uh, <laughs> cryptocurrency exchanges come on next release, and then we can gauge it from there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Once we get too many, then we know to get out, right? That's right. Exactly. <laughs> hey, everyone. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. 
Personally, I think the UFI video lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though, is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored. So you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Garage's Amsterdam is another integration hitting in this release. So it allows Home Assistant to report how many car park spots are available in the specified parking garages around Amsterdam. Of course, something like this would have to come out of Europe where they're all switched on. So yeah, there you go. I also yeah. like that Amsterdam being such heavy bike users have APIs for parking garages. Like, yeah. Maybe that's yeah, just yeah. my touristy, I've only seen, you know, my small part of the city sort of lens, but yeah, I really, yeah, I think that's Yeah, cool. I mean, it's, again, it's, it's big biking culture, which probably means there is not as many parking mm-hmm. spots. I don't know. I feel yeah. like, I feel like I'm being really yeah, presumptive right mind, now. We're, we're like, uh, yeah. we're just they're foreigners, right? They don't know why, how yeah. a real Amsterdamian lives. Is that, is that the right word? Amsterdamian? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It must be. But Amsterdamite? I don't know. Sorry, so, sorry, people from Amsterdam. Frank is like listening to us right now and cringing. Yeah, yeah. I, I know when he hears this, Frank, I'm expecting you to send us both a message going, what? <laughs> we, we have cars, man. <laughs> uh no but i got drive I them in our wooden though. shoes but we have cars that's right that's right that's right but it, this can be kind of handy i guess if you're if you're um a if you're having uh, again where you live there is mm. like a I, i'm guessing garages amsterdam is probably like a like a i don't know a brand that of of parking people like here we have like in in toronto there's like green pea and a couple of those like whatever so they they just own lots so i'm not sure if garages amsterdam is that or if it's a service that actually says hey you know we're seeing this many whatever um but i guess even if you if you live around that area where there is one and you do utilize it or maybe your visitor spots and things like that are managed by that then that can be pretty handy right if if there's you know mums coming over or something like that then you know, hey, yeah, there's a parking spot here. Don't worry about it. Oh, absolutely. And especially if you, you know, like, need to know, can I drive to work today? Is there going to be a parking spot available there, right? Yeah, yeah. And lastly, in terms of new integrations, there's uh, Meteoclimatic or Meteoclimatic uh, weather platform. So um, if you have those weather stations, you can now display the current weather that's reported by them. You know, I think... Because Apple brought the dark sky last year, mm-hmm. and I got really upset, right? And I th- I think they originally, I remember I was like cutting us off end of June 2021, so I've got to find a new weather platform. And I, I as I installed this release, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm going to have to bite the bullet and, and install a new one. Yeah. I actually checked, and they've extended it, or it was always the end of this year. So I've got another six months. I'm okay. not moving away from the dark sky for another yeah. six months at least. Yeah, so. hopefully, hopefully that keeps getting just... <laughs> hopefully apple out, keeps kicking out. the can down the road or whatever and yeah i hope so all right some breaking changes go for it always so lifex legacy so there's been two lifex integrations in home assistant uh the legacy one so the old original classic vanilla flavor lifex uh, integration is being removed you will need to move over to the new and improved lifex integration so you won't lose any features you just need to change a few tweaks i'm guessing you need to move away from YAML, go into the UI and now activate your LifeX integration through there. 
Was it was there something broken in it, or was it using like a deprecated API or something like that? I'm not, to be honest, I'm not 100 percent sure. I would assume it might yeah. have like the library underneath was using like some unsupported APIs or something, and mm. it's moved over to a much more improved one. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Hopefully, newer means better. So. That's it. Spot crime. Uh, so the access to their API is no longer available, so you can no longer assumably spot crime. Um, and the integration has been removed because there is no API. So it makes sense why it's removed. Um, okay. Yeah, exactly. And HomeKit climate devices will change the reported temperature precision for the current temperature attribute from whole degrees to 0.1 degrees increments uh, when you're using the Fahrenheit measurement scale so not only is it confusing for you to know what the weather is outside because fahrenheit makes no sense you may need to update any automations <laughs> that use whole number precision uh, we had a similar breaking change in the last release for ecoboo so i'm guessing yeah. this will be a thing slowly moving on through all the different integrations just making sure everything's consistent where possible yeah exactly and then and even with this like it's uh, as much as it is a bit of an annoying breaking change, it's it's good for standardization. It's good for precision too, right? So, yeah, I haven't I haven't seen very many thermostats though. At least maybe I'm maybe it's just the ones I'm looking at that for Fahrenheit because Fahrenheit is generally more accurate than Celsius. You don't really need the <laughs> point whatever, right? Like it's so for for whatever, but. I don't know. I still use a metrics where we still use a metric system here in Canada. So. Yeah, more <laughs> accurate. Really that me. is perfect. That is get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, hey, you know, call a spade a spade, right? It's, <laughs> it, it, it may not be a good system to use, or, or I don't want to say that, but it, it, it may not be. It might not be. You know, the common system. That's a better one. But mm-hmm. there, there is a bit more to say about accuracy with uh, with Fahrenheit, right? So zero freezing, one hundred boiling. That's it, right? It's simple. simple. It's true. It's true. But typically, you don't have to deal with decimals. So again, that's the one that kind of surprised me. So you probably don't use it today, anyways. Um, maybe maybe there are thermostats out there that do have decimal uh, notation for Fahrenheit. But uh, yeah, I just assumed everything comes because you know Celsius, right? Like we use decimal places. So I guess I just assume that you know in your thermostat you would set you know twenty two point five degrees would be like something that you could set here on a thermostat down under, wouldn't you do like something similar in Fahrenheit? Like it might be just 99.9 in Fahrenheit. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we are so off topic, sorry. Yeah. That's- <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I guess that is pretty much uh, 2021.6. I th- I've heard some rumors uh, on Paulus's Twitter that he was going to announce something on Monday. That's obviously in the future for us uh, in the past. If you're listening to this episode now, hopefully uh, Paulus has announced something big. I think he was going to do a GitHub talk. So we'll have to watch out for Twitter on that. Oh, yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah. Um, but Ram, let's. I want to talk to you. We actually were very lucky and uh, Lutron have sent you some gifts and I, I want to grill them about, I want to grill you about how you found them. Yeah, so Lutron Lutron sent us uh, sent me some gear, um, and 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 thank you team for doing that. Um, yeah, just in terms of there's a there's a new um, outdoor switch coming out. So mm. so I'll talk about that in a second, and and then they decided to send me that. Um, other than that, um, I do I am in the Lutron ecosystem, but I kind of didn't want it to as I beta test stuff and do all that stuff. I didn't want it to be in a, in my own uh, mm. home thing again. I don't I just didn't know how it's going to affect everything else. So I said okay, you know. They they sent me they were gracious enough to send me a, uh, a basically a kit with a hub and everything in there too, 
Um, so, so I do, I do use Lutron today, right? And, mm-hmm. and I think I've talked about it a couple times in the show yeah, why yeah. I like, uh, why I like Lutron and why I like, uh, um, just that system, um, and, and why it worked really well for me in general. And then, and even though, you know, it kind of is a little more of a, I mean, they use a proprietary RF band, um, or, or they use proprietary RF technology, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it's local because there is, there is a hub locally here, but, uh, still to some extent and 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 even with the home assistant integration it talks into that with your private ip address but it's still one of those cloud-based integrations yada 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 right so um but i still i still really like the system um and and you know in this case with the outdoor uh switch which uh which is the main thing that they wanted us to try and wanted me to try um I actually found it worked pretty nice. Um, it is it is a little big uh it, it's it's a big unit um so it looks like a I don't know, like it, it's, it's the, th- I don't know, I'd say that it's a width of a larger phone or the, the, the frame of a larger phone and it's it a like little a, fat, right? Something that you plug into an existing outlet or did you have to like install it as a like outlet or like, did you know what I mean? It's like, it's a plug in yeah, yeah, smart yeah. switch it, or is it, it? It plugs in, it plugs in. So it's a plug in smart switch. Okay, um, nice. It's, it's kind of got a cable on either side of it. Um, so one so for I'm in, guessing one for it's waterproof out. then, or you put in a waterproof box or. Yeah, it is, it is waterproof. Um, cause again, it's outdoor rated, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so I have it actually plugged in and, and, and the timing actually worked out beautifully because a few years ago, uh, I bought these string lights that I wanted to put out outside. Yeah. And, uh, I think, I think, I don't know if I ever talked about it in the show, but Phil, I mean, we, I did my backyard. I, I did talk about it in the for show for sure. Um, so we got our backyard done last year. We had a patio and things like that. And yeah. one of the things I put in was a pergola. This is perfect for you, right? Like, cause now you've got like the fairy lights and you can automate them. And- exactly. 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 So, so that, that's exactly what I did. And, uh, so I put, uh, you know, these lights that I bought a few years ago into the pergola and connected all up and everything. And, uh, yeah, it works really well. I haven't yet actually put it into Home Assistant just because I needed to reload the the Lutron integration, and mm-hmm. I just didn't want to do that yet. I don't I don't foresee any problems or anything like that. Um, so right now, I'm still using the Lutron app to turn it on and off and whatnot. Yep, and the range is fine outside. Like, so is it a, yeah. like a mesh network that they would? That they use or i believe it is yeah so the the range is actually pretty good and and so it's technically it is in the so so my, so my hub is in the basement on the opposite side of my um house mm-hmm. right so um it's my my it, the hub is basically in the front of my house in the basement and this is in the backyard and uh it reaches fine i didn't have any issues or anything like that again i don't have a big house Yep. Um, so keeping that in mind, I mean, if you have a mansion, you're saying, Hey, it didn't, it didn't reach, then <laughs> maybe that's why, <laughs> uh, move, move your hub closer. But, but again, it, it is a mesh system, right? So, um, you know, where your closest switch is. And, and I had, uh, one of the switches that sent along as well. I had that installed, uh, there. So may, maybe that's why, but I, I had no issues with range or anything like that. Um, okay. That's awesome. works beautifully. Like I said, um, so it's it's not a it's not a dimmer, obviously, because it's a it's a plug in switch, mm-hmm. um, similar to how I have my my Wemo or whatever around the house. I have a couple yep. of those around the house. Um, in this case, it's yeah, it's just that it works beautifully so far. Um, yeah, I've 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 had a really good uh, experience with it. I mean, the girlfriend really loves the lights and everything out there too. So and and it does look beautiful. So. Yeah. That's cool. Well, and it's outdoor rated. I'm very surprised. I don't think there's many outdoor smart plugs 
out there. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to do this year is actually get uh, get uh, like run electrical outside. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of so right now the electrical the outlet is still up against my house and and the pergola is not right. Yeah. Um, right. So I just have an extension cord from the from the outlet running to their uh, to to the pergola. Mm-hmm. So what the Lutron switch has is there's actually holes in it for mounting as well. So I want to mount it up against my, uh, just against my fence yep. and basically have that there. And that way it can just be singly, uh, easily just out of sight, out of mind, that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's the plan. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I, I do really like it. So thanks again, Lutron. Uh, any wins you've had since I've last spoken to you, Rahm? How's your delivery man? Automation, like, it's, I'm going to keep asking you this year, man. I'm going to keep pestering about it. <laughs> um, it is going exactly where it was the last <laughs> few times you've asked me, which is, it's not. Uh, no, I mean, it's it's honestly, it's just been, I got my Zigbee stuff uh, back up and working, so, which uh, I think I was telling you, Phil, my, yeah. my uh, basically all of my Zigbee entities just stopped working because the, because uh, Home Assistant stopped seeing my, uh, con b2 stick and uh so i think i don't don't know exactly what happened or why but i guess the the name had uh the the device name had changed so i had to go in change that and then uh bring it all back and then i had to re-add my devices which was a little bit annoying but i was gonna say do you have to do or every device have to be repaired or will you be able to salvage anything yeah no i think one thing came back i don't remember what it was um i think one of my one of my trad free bulbs came back Mm -hmm. um the other one didn't which i thought was weird but uh the other one actually refused to pair so uh luckily that was the one that so at some point one of my trad free bulbs blew out uh, and and i use it on my uh range right so on my on my uh, what's whatever it's called the exhaust in the kitchen yes yeah, yeah. and uh so i i uh removed just the one but you know now it ended up that one was like uh it can change tones and things like that so you can go yellow to white whatever the other one couldn't because uh, uh, i guess no. there were two separate models so you know i finally got around to changing that second bulb which is literally just as easy as changing a light bulb but i just <laughs> To me, I was like, oh, it's not gone. I'll deal with it when I have to deal with it. And then, so in this case, it just didn't pair again. Like, it was working, but it wasn't pairing. So I said, okay, hell with it. I'll just, uh, I ripped it out. And I, luckily, I had that second bulb, so I put it in and uh, didn't, there wasn't much of a loss. Okay. So, but yeah, yeah. other than that, um, that was just kind of no real, I, I don't know if you want to call it a win or a loss. I'd say it's 50-50 because win, I got it working again. And <laughs> loss, I had to repair everything. Yeah um yeah i think that's it i got i got a lot of my my plant sensors the xiaomi sensors needed a bit of love so got those going and yeah it was that was it yeah got a couple of those deployed we did some gardening that was nice stuck a couple of those sensors in there too outside and yeah what about in your like lockdown sure like surely in this lockdown you've had to change a whole lot of like a lot of automations around though right yeah yeah i have um again one thing i did create and i think i talked about this at some point was was work mode mm-hmm. um yep. so that if it if it notices that uh i'm basically if i'm on a video call or you know webex it, it just leverages the webex apis to actually pull through and say what's my status so i just have something check i just have a basically home assistant checking it once a minute yep um very primitive it's not anything intelligent in that sense but it works and based on that um it 
how can I say it? Based on that, it basically turns on and off uh, work mode. So it turns off work mode at five, basically, once it goes on. But yeah, that's that, that's been the biggest one. And the base, and work mode basically just says, hey, don't uh, don't you know yell if the door is open or door closes or anything like that to my Amazon Echo. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's the... Oh man, that's the extent of it. I haven't I haven't done a ton of stuff. I think I think mostly because I'm at the point where most of it works. I got to do some tweaking in terms of yeah. how when the alerting happens and that kind of stuff. Um, I did one where again it's it's part of that same automation, but if either my front door or back door is left open for over three minutes because now it's summertime or getting to be summertime, even though it was freezing yesterday for some reason, it was like I think there was a low of four or something like that, uh, four degrees Celsius, but um if if the door is left open for a certain amount of time then i think it's like three minutes or something like that then turn off the echo b yep. and then if it's on uh if it closes again and basically it checks once a minute and then if it's closed again and uh go back and restore the state that it was in so and uh i did that through my node red adventure that i was uh talking about a couple of weeks ago so <laughs> how's that going actually you enjoying node red still yeah, it, it, it's really good. The only, my, I think my only complaint is, again, it's a different way to find your automations because, um, and, and maybe there's some best practice on, on how people build it out, whether you do one per tab or, mm. or whatever, because so if you yeah, haven't like seen Node Workflows Red, and all that, right? Exactly. So I, flows, I should say. Exactly. So I, I group my uh, automations by like door automations or something like that, mm. right? So. Yeah. So, you know, just trying to find the right one, um, that can be, that can be a bit annoying and, and, and maybe it's like 90% just a me problem. I found the same thing though. Like when I was, when I first started with Node-RED, I was like, how the hell am I supposed to get this yeah. organized? Like if I need to find, cause I've got, you know, so many automations, right. And so many permutations, like how would I find on the screen where it is? I'm guessing yeah. there must be like title or something that you could add. Like a, yeah, so like I, a bubble or something, again, completely my thing. There is, and I do have those. That mm-hmm. I do have comment bubbles going, you know, this automation's for blah, 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 right? Yep. And, uh, but it's just a matter of, it, it, it's literally sheer laziness where I have to scroll down sometimes and I just didn't. <laughs> yeah, so, or or if you have like, like this door, this door automation is actually fairly complex in terms of how, how I built it. I probably over-engineered it. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, trying to find the right node in there to figure out what's going on or where, and then that gets a little bit like, ooh, okay, I gotta, let me step through this again. Because again, it's it's one of those things where I built it, I don't know, two months ago, three months ago, and yep. I haven't yep. looked at it since. And, and, yet, and it's like, what was I thinking? Whoever designed this is an idiot, right? Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. The The designer is clearly not skilled at doing anything, <laughs> um, in general, just anything. <laughs> and uh, And here we are, so. But yeah, how about you? What's uh, what's what's new and bumping? You know, I I have introduced like in my wisdom of trying to make things easier in terms of you know like oh mm-hmm. I'll just have instead of having you know three different automations to send off like announcements, I will create a template somewhere that will say you know yes an announcement can go out, no it can't go out, and you know I've started refactoring a whole bunch of stuff. And of course, I have now introduced all these gremlins into my automations. So I have just been trying to undo those gremlins. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So day to day boring stuff, you know, the stuff you don't like, nothing new, just retweaking, trying to do what I'm doing more efficiently. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. 
Yeah. I don't know. I'll see. I, I, I did add some some stuff from for like audio analytics and things like that. I don't know if I showed you that, but uh just so some there's there's some smart cameras that uh basically that that I got from from work as part mm. of my like lab for home. Um but what some of these cameras do are um analytics in terms of how loud um the room is or things like that. So more just for fun and and it dumps everything into MQTT in that sense. So uh yeah. just for fun I actually added that to my uh Home Assistant instance, just out of one of my cameras. It's it's literally in the least useful place. It's in my like storage area in my in my uh, basement, which mm-hmm. literally it, nobody goes into. But and, you ever but get sound in there, right? Like, well, I mean, in that. theory, it's it's. But my <laughs> server is also there, so it's actually pretty loud. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's so. But you know, it's it's again. I use it strictly for for just for um, testing stuff and doing all that. So I was like, you know what? Be interesting. I got I want to see and play with this and everything too. And uh, I got that uh, basically building out a nice graph for me and updating every uh, every like second or whatever it is, right? That's so cool. yeah, yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, so yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, I'm done talking with you today. I'll stick That's right. Month, how that sound? Perfect. Sounds great. All right. See you guys <laughs> soon. Cheers. All right. Cheers. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.